listeners, and welcome to the Sailing the East podcast. I'm Balaam Usitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. This is our podcast about sailing the East Coast of the United States. In some episodes, we'll focus on passages and destinations. And in other episodes, we'll talk about boats, equipment, and techniques. And when we come across an interesting individual, we'll try to get them as a guest on the show. But what makes this podcast unusual is that only one of us sails. That would be me, Bela. I've been sailing for over 30 years, not across oceans, but on lakes and coastal cruising on the east coast of the United States. And I, Mike, know very little about sailing. I don't know, uh, what is it, Bela, a Clovis pin? No, 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 Mike. <laughs> it's a clevis pin. Exactly. I don't know, a clevis pin from a cheek block. Uh, and I've actually sunk an unsinkable dinghy before, twice. Um, so, you know what, I'm just going to ask most of the questions, and Bela, I'll leave it to you to answer. So it looks like today we're going to talk about the destination of Cape May, New Jersey. And I've been to New Jersey many times, Bela, but tell me again, where exactly is Cape May? Yeah, so Cape May is at the southernmost tip of New Jersey, uh, at the entrance to the Delaware Bay. And, you know, it's a great stopover point, whether you're heading north or south. Uh, the entrance to Cape May is very well marked, as it's a busy port uh, with a major Coast Guard station training center located there and a pretty significant commercial fishing fleet. So getting in and out is pretty easy, and the currents are not too bad. Uh, the Cape May Harbor uh, has some several very nice full-service marinas, uh, and it's two, there's two kind of small anchorages there. So if you want to anchor, you can, you can do that. They're not very large. Uh, but they're well protected. Uh, they're on the east side of the bay, uh, just off the channel by the Coast Guard station. Uh, and one of them is just north of the Coast Guard docks, and the other is just south. And uh, you got to watch your depth there, as if I remember correctly. It can be a little shallow. And uh, we have a five-foot draft on our boat, and we had no problems. Uh, but I think the northern anchorage is a bit preferred. It's a little bit larger, a little deeper. Um the challenge is we could not find a dinghy dock that was nearby. So getting ashore uh, wasn't the easiest. Uh, I think there are some dinghy docks uh, that were would be a very long row. Uh, we did not have a motor on our dinghy, so uh, we didn't want to kind of have to row very far away. Uh, the anchorages and the marinas are all sort of very well protected from all sides and wind directions. Uh, like I said, the one interesting thing or challenging thing, particularly if you're at anchor, is there's a significant fishing fleet there in the bay. So usually early in the morning, uh, like before dawn, you'll start getting wakes from uh, the big fishing boats as they go by, uh, and they'll usually wake you up. And then in the evening when they return, uh, you'll get a fair amount of wakes uh, where these anchorages are because they're not protected from the channel. They're right off of the channel itself. So, Bela, some of my sailing experiences have involved a lot of stress around anchoring. Do you have any tips um, for me and, and for those of us that are not experienced sailors on anchoring? Uh, well, uh, that, that reminds me of uh, an important lesson uh, we learned when we were anchored off uh, Cape May, uh, the Ghost Guard station down there in Cape May. So you have to remember that anchors on boats uh, do not rely on a lot of weight uh, to hold them down. So the, the your anchor line, the, the, the line or the chain that goes from your boat to the anchor, uh, you don't want it going straight down into the water off the bow of your boat uh, to the bottom where the anchor is. 
you actually want it going out at a, I won't say horizontal, but a, uh, at an angle to the, to the anchor, because the way most anchors work is they work like a plow. So the weight of the anchor is important, but the real holding power is that it digs itself into the bottom of the seabed, whether it be mud or clay or sand. And when I say plow, it's not like a snow plow. Think of more like the old-fashioned plows that farmers uh, used to plow their fields with that would be pulled by a horse, sort of a V-shaped three-dimensional plow. And again, the way they work is they dig into the sand. So what you want to do is you really want to pull the anchor horizontally along the seabed because that's what digs it in. Uh, And when you actually pull the anchor straight up, that's how you release the anchor from the seabed. That's how you get it back on your boat. So both of those things are important. But what this means, if you want to pull the anchor horizontally, you want to... the, the amount of line or anchor chain you have to let out is a function of the depth of the water, right? The deeper the water, <clears throat> the more rope or line you have to let out from your boat to where the anchor has uh, fastened itself to the bottom of the seabed to sort of pull on it on a more shallow angle as opposed to pulling it steeper, right? So think about it. The, the shorter the rope, the more steep vertically, you're going to pull the anchor up and it's going to be less effective. So there's this general rule of sailing that uh, you want to have five times the depth of the water on your anchor line. So you want to let out five times the depth of the water. And that's for non-super windy conditions. If you're going to have a storm or you're expecting high winds or really strong currents, you might let out seven or eight or 10 times the depth of the water, right? So the more line you let out, the more horizontally you're pulling that anchor and the better chance it has of holding even when you're pulling on it really, really hard. So <clears throat> the way you anchor, and this is what we did, right? We, we, we pulled in, uh, we saw that there was seven feet of water. So we said, okay, seven times five is 35. We're going to let out 35 feet of anchor chain. And what you do is you kind of pick your spot, you drop your anchor And then you put the boat in reverse and you're backing up slowly. You put it in slow reverse as you're letting out anchor line. And we have little paint marks on the anchor chain. So we we know how much each paint mark was 10 feet. So we let out 35 feet. We said, okay, good. We stopped letting it out. And then you keep the boat in reverse and you slowly increase the throttle in reverse and you pull harder and harder and harder on the anchor and it digs itself into the mud or the sand. This is how it works. So we did that. It was great. The anchor set itself really good. You know, we could put the boat in full reverse and the boat wouldn't move. So we knew we were nice and secure. We weren't expecting high winds that night. Went to bed and everything's good. Next morning we wake up, you know, we feel the rocking of the fishing fleet going out. It sort of woke us up in the morning and I stick my head out into the cockpit and I look around and lo and behold, the boat had moved. We said, what oh, the geez, heck? What happened? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, what happened? How did the boat move? Well, scratching our heads and going, what's going on? And we looked and now the water was 13 feet deep because when we set the anchor, it was low tide and now it was high tide. So instead of letting out 35 feet of line for now at high tide at 13 feet, we should have let out 65 feet. So 
we were like let out half the amount of, of line or chain that we should have. So we had too short of an anchor line. And then the fishing boats with their wakes make the boat bob up and down. And that popped the anchor out of the bottom of the seabed, kind of popped it up. We drifted a little bit and then the anchor reset itself. So we were lucky it wasn't windy because it would have been windy. We would have really, the anchor probably would not have reset itself. Would have been too shallow of an angle. So lucky for us, there wasn't a lot of wind. There was very little current and the anchor reset. But it was a good lesson in looking at the water depth, but also looking and understanding whether or you're at low tide or high tide. And, you know, different parts of the East Coast have different tides. There's there's some places, you know, as you go up in the main where the tides are 10, 15, 20 feet and places... Uh, in, in Chesapeake Bay or uh, one or two feet. So there's some places there's a big variation. And so you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta know what the tide is, what your current depth is and what it, what the maximum and minimum may be as the tides change. So there's a lesson that we learned. Yeah. Can it work the other way around Bela? So if you put the, the set the anchor in high tide and you've got a lot of line and then the tide goes low, you got to make sure that you're far enough away from everything, right? Because now all that line, you're going to be farther away from the from where the anchor is. That's right. You're going to swing. That's the word that yeah. we use. And you're going to swing a much bigger, okay. bigger arc or circle, right, at low tide because you have all of that extra line, extra, extra chain that's out. Whereas at high tide, you're going to you're going to, you'll swing a smaller diameter circle. So yes, you have to be cognizant of that as well particularly if there's other boats around because if there's other boats around and you all anchor at high tide <laughs> and then at low tide, you'll be bumping into each other if you're not careful. So, right. so you, you gotta, there's a lot of these things that, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately or fortunately I have learned through experience, uh, by, by screwing up and not having, luckily not having anything go wrong, but, you know, sort of getting lucky with the screw up. It's like, Ooh, <laughs> I learned my lesson and whew, boy, am I glad nothing bad happened because it could have. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for the primer on anchoring. Maybe I'll stick with marinas. Are there any? Uh, are there any marinas around? <laughs> yeah, there sure are. There's several nice ones. Uh, we stayed at a place called South Jersey Marina. Uh, we anchored out. I think it was one or two nights, and then we spent one or two nights at the marina. We needed to provision, uh, meaning we needed to get more food uh, for the boat. Uh, and water and fuel and, and pump out the holding tanks. Uh, so South Jersey Marina was very nice. It had uh, nice, clean showers and laundry facilities. Uh, and, and, you know, this sort of gives an indication of what's important to, to, to boaters when they've been out for a few days. Uh, they want to get into Marina, take a nice hot shower and do some laundry. So those are the things that, that those are one of the things that sort of separate uh, Marina's uh, is, is sort of how nice and clean their shower facilities are, um, how well their washing, washers and dryers work. Um, so those are always nice. And, and this, was, this was a really nice one. Uh, this marina was also uh, real close uh, uh, walking distance to a Wawa, which is a grocery chain uh, down, down south. Uh, so we could go there and uh, get some uh, provisions. And also there's a lot of restaurants in this vicinity. So you can go out to eat and in a wide selection of, you know, the seafood places to Italian to whatever, whatever you wanted. Um, there's also a really nice beach in Cape May. 
uh, sort of on the ocean side. You got to remember we're on the bay side, uh, but on the ocean side, there's a really nice beach with all of the sort of common assorted tourist attractions that you get. Uh, that was about a one and a half mile walk. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, you can call an Uber or you can, we walked it. It was a, a nice day and we just walked down to the beach and hung out there. A lot of things to see, sights to see. Uh, Cape May also has a part of town that has, uh, these really grand Victorian houses. Uh, and one of them, uh, the Elman Physique Estate, I don't know if I pronounced that, uh, properly or not, is a museum that you can go into. And it's sort of preserved from the old Victorian era. And, uh, you know, so really, really nice uh, uh, walking. If you like kind of walking around and looking at those types of things. There's a lot of uh, shops and restaurants um, down on what's called the Washington Street Mall, which is near the beach. So they've made that a pedestrian mall. So there's no cars. So it's really tourist friendly. Uh, There's some big hotels down there as well, if that's if that's your thing. Uh, Cape May. Uh, has a really nice lighthouse. Uh, I love looking at lighthouses uh, for whatever reason. You know, they're old. They're old, and they've been around a long time, and 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 they often have great stories with them. It's about a four miles from the marina, um, so that's an Uber ride. But from that lighthouse, you can you can really see across Delaware Bay. Uh, you can see out into the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, so it works. Uh, it was really really nice to go there. Wow, Bela, that sounds like a great place to stop. Yeah, I thought it really was, Mike, and I highly recommend it adding it to your list of places to check out. Uh, it's easy to spend several days sort of exploring Cape May. Um, and, you know, when you're departing, oh, one other quick thing. When you're departing Cape May, if you're heading up to Delaware, uh, which is what we were doing on this trip, uh, you can actually cut uh, a four or five hours off your trip, maybe even a little more, uh, if you go the Cape May Canal. However, uh, we've talked about this in the past. With a sailboat, you have to worry about the height of bridges. And there's uh, the lowest bridge on the Cape May Canal is 55 feet. So unfortunately, that was too low for our sailboat, and we had to go around the long way. Um, so, But anyway, I did want to mention that. So you, you can come in. If you're under 55 feet, uh, you can come in via the Cape. You can either come in or exit via the Cape May Canal. So, yeah, pretty nice place. I highly recommend it. Great. Bela, thanks for putting this together. I learned a lot. Listeners, thanks for joining us, and we hope you found this episode interesting and thought-provoking. If you have questions about what we've discussed, we're always happy to hear from you. Our email is sailingtheeast, all one word, at gmail.com. And please do subscribe if you haven't already. And better yet, tell a friend so you can get them to listen as well. So until next time, signing off from snowy upstate New York. See you soon, Mike. Sounds great, Bela. And from over here in a cold and gray and rainy Munster, Germany, Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> <laughs>